Welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a very full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best versions of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Wellness Hub, which is an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing a space to share tips and tricks, that we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and show the world how relatable these everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community, The Wellness Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, to donate to our nonprofit Spoonies Unite, which helps provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and supports us in our endeavors. To learn more, visit the show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. This is a freaking great one with Michelle, who is a life and business coach who helps women attract clients, money, and health. She's had different health conditions over the past 10 years, including histamine intolerance, food intolerances, osteopenia, hormone imbalances, gut imbalance, HA, and anxiety. She has seen all the doctors, Western functional holistic specialists, and done different gut protocols with only short-term results. It wasn't until she applied mindset coaching and emotional intelligence to relieve internal stress that she healed these conditions. We think that you're really going to love this conversation with Michelle because she has just great ways of being able to put simple mindset shifts that'll help you manage the emotions that you're feeling, manage the stress that you're feeling. And she does just a great job of sharing how our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, those, those things impact our physical health. And I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this episode because I've had the pleasure of working one-on-one with Michelle and in some of her programs. And I just think that she's got a really great outlook on mindset and how you can change it. And we hope you enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. We have Michelle Weber with us today. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. So for those of you that want a little background, Michelle and I have worked together quite a bit over the past couple of years, actually. Um, She's been a coach of mine and Michelle, I'm going to give you credit for being the first person to tell me I don't have to do all the things, <laughs> which um, is, a, is a really good, a really good mindset shift that has served me very, very well over the past couple of years. And so I'm so excited to have this time to have our listeners learn about you, your health journey, your business, how that's impacted your health journey. And I'm just so excited to have you on. Yay! Thank you so much, Chelsea. Honestly, that verbiage also helps me too. Like me and Chelsea tend to be the type of people who want to do all the things and we have all these ideas and it's like, hang on, let's take a breath. (laughs) Slow down a little bit. Yes. All right, Michelle, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, your story and what, what has gotten you to where you are today? Yeah. Oh man, where do I start? All right. Well, 
for as long as I can remember, even as when I was a kid, I was pretty health conscious. Like I remember even in middle school, high school, I was very health conscious. I ate pretty healthy. My family was healthy. Um, I played sports since I could hold the baseball basically. So I was very much in the, the health and wellness realm. Right. And for me over the years, there ended up being multiple health conditions that I ended up having. And it got to the point where I was, I had maybe six of them at one time. That was a couple of years ago. So it started off where when I was in high school, I, I had irregular periods and the doctors just kind of brushed it off every time we went in and they were like, oh, you're just growing. Don't worry about it. I was also someone who was pretty tall. So they were thinking that my growth spurt caused the irregularity. And then over time, there was other things that kept piling on top. So um, I would say the pivotal moment for me in my health journey was when I was in college. And I'm definitely someone who tends to want to be you know, get good grades, like working out, like all the things. Right. And I think the stress started to pile up for me about midway through college. And at that point I was very heavily in the, I guess, fitspo world where I was lifting, um, multiple times a week. It still wasn't excessive, I would say, but it was that I wasn't eating enough to like Mm -hmm. accommodate the amount of weight that I was lifting and things like that, even though, I was eating multiple meals a day and I was cooking my own food and stuff. It still wasn't enough for me personally. And I was so heavily in this kind of world, looking up different workouts, following different people on social media and stuff. And eventually it just got to the point where I wasn't even aware of the fact that I wasn't fueling my body properly. And I wasn't looking at the signs that my body was kind of, you know, declining on me, such as for example, being tired during the day and eating multiple cups of coffee every day, or, um, you know, things like that, being, being unable to focus on my work sometimes because, you know, I was stressed or hungry or whatever. So, um, it ended up getting to the point where I was studying abroad, actually, this was right before my senior year, I was studying abroad in London, which was supposed to be like the best trip of my life because I freaking love London. And I feel like I want to move there at some point. However, this was like the lowest point for me in my health. And then on top of that, my grandma also passed away when I was abroad. So there's a lot of factors there that really caused me to break. Like I I literally was at my breaking point at that point and that was my rock bottom. And then my senior year, I was going through um, a facility for like an eating disorder while I was still going to school. I still had one of the hardest majors at my school. I went to a great school too. So um, there's a lot going on for me then. And beyond that point, I had hormone imbalances, major gut imbalances that kept me from like getting a job for the year that after I graduated, basically huge anxiety flares and depression and like all of these things are piling up. And so I was at the point where I was like, I want to see, you know, a doctor who's, who knows how to manage multiple areas of health, because at that point they just kept sending me to a bunch of specialists. Right. And the specialists don't talk to each other. So I was like, mm-hmm. I have so much going on. Like I had osteopenia, I had all these things going on and I needed someone that had like a high level overview of it. Right. So I went to a natural path. He really helped me at the time. I will, I will say he helped me a lot at the time Went on like a gut protocol, all these things definitely helped. But then about a year, year and a half later, this was where my sixth condition came in, which was histamine intolerance, where I was reacting to foods. So I started breaking out in hives and rashes. It's an autoimmune thing. 
and my allergies were terrible and like the, the spring and all these things because my gut was out of whack. So at that point, I, I had like a nine to five job and stuff. And I was like, I can't take anything else going wrong with my health. Like it had been years of having different issues for me. And it was such a touchy subject for me because anyone knows that's going through some sort of health condition or health issue. It, it literally dominates your life. Like the, mm-hmm. it, for me, at least like I literally was not myself. Right. I, mm-hmm. I was so anxious all the time of, of health problems and all the things I wasn't socializing as much. I wasn't truly like living the life I wanted. Sometimes at work I had to leave because I had reactions or I was um, anxious or whatever. And it, it, it really impacts everything. So at that point, that's actually, if we're going to kind of get into like coaching stuff, that's actually where coaching, I discovered it. Like I, I always say, I truly believe that coaching or not entrepreneurship comes to you in the moment that it's supposed to come to you in. Mm-hmm. So at this point for me, it was such a pivotal moment. Cause I was like, I can't take another health condition. Like screw that. Right. Like I was, I was so depressed for months. I also wasn't enjoying my job. Um, I felt like I was overworked and underpaid and there was all these factors that piled up. And, and when coaching came to me, it, I just knew it. Like I just had a feeling that that was the thing. And I was so willing to, I think when you get to that rock bottom moment, like you're like, you know what? It can't get any worse. So why not just go for the things that I want? Right. So mm-hmm. I went all in on coaching, became full-time in two and a half months. I was doing business coaching at the time. And then you know, I've used a lot of the coaching skills and, and methods. The internal stress things was the, a big moment for me that I was like, I need to, to work on this stuff, right? It was a lot of the inner, inner work. And I actually was able to reverse osteopenia, hormone imbalances. I got my period back. Um, food intolerances has been the last thing. And I've reintroduced like so many freaking foods over the past like six months. Um what else? Anxiety. I feel like I can manage anxiety on such a level now that I'm doing things that used to cause major anxiety triggers for me. And I'm doing them like completely calm. So it was one of those things for me where I guess if I was to sum up my whole health journey, I'd been to so many different doctors, functional doctors, holistic doctors, natural paths, you know, specialists, all the things. And they're, they do amazing work. Like, I'm not going to say that they don't, they are, they obviously know what they're doing. But for me, the thing that actually allowed me to heal my body was looking at internal stress. And when I say internal stress, what that means is you're, you're kind of getting into your subconscious mind here, right? Where your subconscious is the store of all of your past memories, experiences, emotions, all the things it's 95% of who you are and it's stored in your body. So the thing is, if, if you start to develop over time, different like diseases or chronic illnesses or autoimmune things, it actually could be internal stress, which is repressed or suppressed emotions from your subconscious that don't serve you. So things like anger, resentment, jealousy, shame, guilt, those feelings get stored in your subconscious and it can actually cause like disease. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I actually went in and I dug into and and really started releasing those emotions and the, the, you know, thoughts that didn't serve me, the fears, the tendency to be, you know, kind of perfectionistic or um, negative body image or, you know, 
things that don't seem like they're related to a specific illness are, are actually the things that probably, you know, if we were to dig back into people's childhood, which is what I help people do now, um, you can actually start to see like where those seeds were planted, right? So long story short, it was really the internal stress work, the emotional management work, releasing that, that led to me healing my body through coaching. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I talk a lot about how bad stress can be for people. (laughs) Um, There was a long time when I was doing mostly personal training that I had clients and um, people in classes coming up to me being like, I'm not losing weight. I'm not eating, like I'm eating however many calories they're eating, probably 1000 to 2000 calories a day, somewhere in there, which is heads up people generally not enough. And they're like, I'm working two to three hours a day. Like I'm working out through two to three hours a day. Why am I not losing weight? And I was like, probably because you're really stressed. You're stressing your body out a lot. And so I think that it's, it's fascinating that not only can like physical stresses impact our health in that way, but mental stresses can. And I, I think that that totally makes sense. Um, and I also appreciated Michelle, how you phrased that of like, it could be a part. It's not that stress is always going to be the, the trigger for not feeling well for health problems, for chronic illnesses, but it could be a contributing factor. Um, yeah. That's something that you should, that people should pay attention to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it. Like, I remember I thought of this analogy one time and it just fit perfectly. So if you were to imagine a self-driving car, right. Where let's just say that the, the GPS, so where it's going is like, your thought process, right? The car itself, let's just say that's like your body. So how it's running. And then the fuel that you give it is like the, the consistent thoughts and, and feelings that you're having over time. Right. So what a lot of people try and do when they're healing their body is they'll focus on the car itself. And this is what you see a lot of doctors focusing on too, or even natural paths or anything, right? They're like, here's supplements, here's, um, medication, work out, eat healthy. Right. And it's like the, it's still like external factors right now, if you're wanting to get to a specific destination, focusing on the exterior of the car, like changing the tires, doing a paint job, or even focusing on the leather or the interior, like that's not going to change where your destination, like the destination, right. It might look better depending on, you know, if the paint job was great or whatever, it might look different, but you're still going to go to the same destination if you don't change the actual GPS. And the GPS is your belief system, right? And so that's something where our subconscious mind, which stores our like true beliefs from childhood till now, we all have this, it's stored in your body. It's, it's, it's really based in your emotions. That's actually determining where you're going. So if we don't, dig into that internal system and change the real destination, you're going to end up at the same place or a similar place, right? Versus if you actually went and dug into the internal stress. And when I say internal stress, here's, if I was to hear that word, like even a year ago or two years ago, I'd be like, oh my gosh, but like I, you know, I, I journal and meditate and I exercise. I'm not stressed. What I mean by internal stress, it's, it's really how you're doing things that you're doing. So for example, if you're the kind of person where you're going to the gym and working out two to three hours a day and your entire thought process going to the gym is I have to work out. I have to lift heavier than I did last time. I have to run further than I did last time. If you were to actually become aware of how that makes you feel in your body, 
when you're saying things like, I have to do this, I should do this, you're probably going to notice that you feel stressed out, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Or you're going to notice that you're maybe overwhelmed or your mind's racing because you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do all these things once I get to the gym. That is internal stress. And that's the thing that we want to start releasing because it doesn't matter how much you work out, how often you work out, what type of workouts Mm -hmm. you do. That shit doesn't matter if the way that you're doing it is through stress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On the flip side as well, if we were to look at even the foods that people eat, because here's the thing with my journey that I think makes it really unique. My, basically most of my life, I have been healthy. And I put that in quotes on the outside to like anybody who knew me. I cooked my own meals. I ate quote unquote clean and it got cleaner over time. And I was working out consistently, like all of these things I was doing throughout my entire life. And the most ironic thing was when I was especially in college and I was technically eating the cleanest at that time. And I was technically working out the best at that time. I was the sickest. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually have to do with what specifically I was eating and how I was working or what I was doing for working out, but it was my thought processes and the way I felt about it while I was doing it. Cause here's the thing, especially when you get in that really hyper clean and, and healthy mindset, most of the times I, I find this with people, even with things like the products that you're using, or like, like hair care or skincare, things like that. If you feel like you, it has to be the best of the best all the time, you're probably very internally stressed out because what happens then when you go to eat, when you go out to eat, what happens then if there's a situation where you don't have access to your super clean, non-toxic skincare and you, and you have to use like the normal name brand stuff, what happens then when you're off the the game. That's going to really determine the amount of internal stress that people have. It's not when things are going perfectly to plan or when they're in the routines. It's what happens when life happens to you. What happens when you have to go eat at the, you know, normal restaurant down the street, because that's the closest thing to your hotel and you're traveling and you don't have time to go somewhere else. Are you stressed that you're not eating the cleanest? Are you worried that there's all these things in it that's going to cause you to be sick? Or what happens when you go to the store and they don't have the product that you need, so you got to use just the normal stuff? Like, I know this sounds really, really small, but over time, this is the stuff that really, really adds up. And I wasn't aware of this stuff until I actually started doing my own work on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's the smallest details mm-hmm. that are really the things we need to look at. And most people aren't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I know that I have talked a lot with my sister-in-law about the food and the stress. Like if she's um, trying to eat better or whatever, and then if she quote falls off track quote um, and like, you know, she's like, I ate a whole bag of smart pop, you know, and she like beats herself up about it. Food guilt, you know, wallowing, like making herself feel bad, then talking about it the next day, really just like, I totally fell off the wagon. I was doing so good. And I was like, listen, just enjoy the smart pop because is that what's called smart pop? I think so. Okay. And whatever, everyone knows what I'm talking about, but, um, you know, she, I was like, if you just enjoy it, like your body's going to react a lot less 
to that, then you stressing about it, you're making it so much worse. And, um, I, it's a constant reminder we have to have with ourselves because I had read about that not long ago. Like, you know, if you do go and eat gluten, um, so for example, and I've talked about this before, I love croissants. I'm supposed to be gluten-free because I found out I was celiac mm-hmm. and I've been on a, I found out about six, seven months ago, as we're recording this, that I was celiac and I have gone gluten-free successfully and then gone and eaten a crap ton of gluten, you know, I don't know, four, six times probably. And what I have done at least this time, because I know that I need to make gluten-free part of my lifestyle long-term being celiac. Okay. Now I can wrap my mind around it. Um, but knowing that I need to make this shift long-term for my lifestyle, I've taken a lot of pressure off of me quote falling off track and just enjoyed it. Like there was one time, and I talked about this before, but I walked into the studio um, carrying a Starbucks coffee and a chocolate croissant. And I looked at Chelsea and I was like, I'm going to eat this chocolate croissant because I want to. And that's that. <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy it and it's going to be great. And so, you know, sure. Did I eat a contaminant of gluten? You know, when I'd been gluten-free for like two months really well at that point, yes, I ate the contaminant of gluten, but I did enjoy it. And it was tasty and I didn't actually feel like crap right away from eating it. Now I know that with celiac, it's more of a long-term effect. So I'm not saying I didn't react whatsoever, but if I had been stressed about eating it, I know I would have had a tummy ache right away. If I had like been wallowing in guilt, the stress would have caused a tummy ache. I would have been nauseous. That would have affected how I ate dinner that night. Like it's a whole thing. And I also know, I think your scenario of like, if you're on track and everything's going great, but what if you travel and then there's a restaurant and you have no choice, but to eat something that's quote off track. Um, that's something too. Like there was one day a couple of weeks ago that I was starving. We were at the pool. I was at the pool with Chelsea actually. And I kept talking about food and I was starving, starving, starving. So she was very hungry. I was really hungry. And so we left the pool and I was just like, I need to eat. And so we ended up getting some kind of like greasy Chinese food instead of me driving the extra, like seven minutes to go to the Chinese restaurant that I know doesn't upset my tummy. I went to one that I was like, Oh, fuck it. It'll be fine. And it was a horrible idea. I mean, it definitely was not good. And I ate it that night. And as I was eating it, I was like, yeah, this is not worse, you know, falling off track. I should have just I don't know, grabbed a beef jerky or something and made something. So, but I didn't, I didn't emotionally beat myself up about it. It was more like with the quality of this Chinese food, I was like, this was not a good idea. I should have driven those extra seven minutes lesson learned, you know? Um, I think I went a little, I rambled a little bit there, but basically I really appreciate you saying that it's how are you going to react in your mind with your thoughts and your feelings about decisions that you might have to make and being stressed about it just makes everything worse. Coming in with a quick little interruption to your normal podcast show, wanted to make sure that you knew about the vital field energy cells that we have talked about several times before and done an entire interview with the CEO and founder Jan Wellman, because we believe in vital field so much you can get a no pain cell or an anti-inflame cell or the resistant cell for 20% off using code spoonies unite 
in all caps. So if you add each one to your cart individually, again, you'll get 20% off using code Spoonies Unite, all caps. It is a better deal than their bundles, just to let you know. And I have experienced fantastic pain relief wearing the no pain cell consistently, especially if I wear it 24 seven for like a week, I'm really noticing a big difference. I love it. Chelsea loves it. We really hope that you experience benefits too, even if it just means bringing your pain levels to a more tolerable point so that you can get out and do the quality things that you want to do with your family, with your loved ones, and not be in crippling pain all the time. So again, 20% off at vitalfield.com using code Spoonies Unite, all caps. Back to the show. Yeah. And here's, I love that you just shared that story because for me, the thing that I've been working on. So last year I healed things like osteopenia, hormone imbalances, like all those things. And then this year, the final straw for me was actually food reintroductions because I had histamine intolerance. So when I tell you I could eat maybe 15 foods for the past two years, that's literally what it was. It was like meats that weren't, that weren't pre-cooked. It was vegetables it was like two different fruits. It was flaxseed and no other nuts and seeds and like oil. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was literally what I was eating for the past, like no yeah. grains, no legumes, no potatoes, no nothing because mm-hmm. I, I would react in hives and rashes. So this year for me was a big year of food reintroductions. And I'm at the point now where there's pretty much like two or three foods off the table. It's, I, I don't have gluten often, but I do have you know, if, if someone orders like onion rings or something, I'm, I'll have one. Or mm-hmm. when people get beer, I, I used to love beer. So I'll still like sample their beer and stuff. Um, so that's the thing. And then dairy for me is always, even when I was a kid, I, I didn't tolerate it too well. So I pretty, I stay away from dairy for the most part. And then um, a couple like almonds and cashews, I still have to reintroduce. I haven't tried it yet. So literally for the past like five months or something, I've been in the process of reintroduction. And what I've learned from that experience um, that for me was just really powerful was before I would sit down and this isn't medical advice. Like this is just what I did. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But before I would sit down and reintroduce a food, like the first food I reintroduced, I believe was potato. And then it was like white rice, something really simple. Right. Um, So I I would sit down before both of those experiences, I would sit down and I would just meditate and like visualize myself eating the food and and being okay. Now, the thing that showed up for me, because I was so terrified of reintroducing foods again, I didn't want to have a reaction. I was terrified I'd have to go to the hospital and like all of these things. Um, My fears would show up, right? So, so the anxiety would start showing up in my body when I was sitting there, like visualizing it. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I've learned is that all of us to the amount that we have stored, I'm going to put it in quotes, but negative emotions, because there's no negative or positive emotions. It just is what it is. But for the the sake of this discussion, negative emotions, so fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, um, embarrassment, like any of those things that we don't like to feel right. Um, We will still hold the internal stress to the amount like the, the feelings of anxiety and stuff, we'll hold that in our body and we'll experience it to the extent that we continue to let it just sit in our body. So the thing with like, I know a lot of women who beat themselves up and I've always been that way 
you know, before this work, like my, my, I remember my dad, even at a young age, would be like, Michelle, be more gentle on yourself. And that used to make me get kind of teary eyed because I was always so hard on myself all the time, mm-hmm. like on everything. And it, it didn't even have to be something that important. <laughs> um, but, but women tend to be this way. And to the amount that we hold on to these stored emotions in our subconscious, we're just going to keep feeling this way. So it's not enough necessarily to just say, think positively or don't let this bother you. That's not going to work. What we want to do is we want to feel through the feelings that are showing up when they're showing up. So when you're triggered, so for me, reintroducing the potato and I'm sitting there in meditation and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm terrified that I'm going to have a reaction feeling through those triggers because that's how it's going to be released. Right. Um, The more of that kind of work that we do, I like to call it emotional intelligence work where you're very aware of when you're not feeling well and you're letting yourself feel it out until it eventually is going to leave as a byproduct of that. The more of that work that you do, the, the less clung to those emotions you're going to experience. So I've been doing this work like for a while now, like, like, especially this year, this year I've been really dug into this work. And anytime I feel fear or anytime I feel shame or guilt, I just feel it out, feel it out, feel it out. And I can for sure say that where I'm at today Anytime those kind of feelings show up for me now, of course, there's some moments when I still feel kind of attached to them, but for the most part, I can just let them roll off me like so much easier. And then that, that allows me to be in a higher vibration instead of being in that cycle of like beating yourself up, feeling guilt about it, shame about it, all the things. So when I was doing that emotional intelligence work with the food, it was such an easy reintroduction process. I'm not even going to lie. And I had tried reintroducing foods like two years ago and couldn't reintroduce anything. Like all of it was triggering me because I didn't know this work. So then it got to the point where it was kind of funny because when, when you're reintroducing foods, at least what I was shared by, by doctors and stuff is you want to make it like a slower process. So you might start off having a bite of the food that tends to trigger you. And then maybe the next day or the day after have another bite and see you know, keep like a food journal and see like what kind of symptoms or reactions you have. Um, And then after like the third or fourth day of doing that, I think if if you were good to go, then the food's probably good to go. And then you can move on to the next food. Um, So at the beginning, it was definitely a slower process of reintroduction. But honestly, after like a month, if there was a food that I saw that I wanted to eat and we were like out to dinner, like avocado was one of those things for me, I just freaking ate it. And you know what? It was actually okay. Mm-hmm. I may have small reactions, but over time, the reactions got less and less because of this work. So I think it just goes to show that for me, what I've learned is that when your body's showing physical symptoms, that something's not right. And especially if you didn't, weren't born with it, for example, if it developed over time, which a lot of people these days are having a lot of gut issues, which is leading to food intolerances and food allergies. I've noticed a lot of people have these things. Um, it, it actually is probably an energetic thing, mm-hmm. but most people don't know that or, or the doctors aren't aware of that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try and treat it with supplements and stuff, which can definitely be a good short-term fix, but it's not a long-term fix. You know, mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned the power of visualization because Chelsea and I really advocate for that we both have experienced wonderful things from 
visualizing stuff. And then while I was watching the Olympics, um, the men's synchronized diving winners were the Brits, Britain, Britain, Great Britain. Yeah. The exact same thing that you're about to say, Cassie. Okay. (laughs) So I think it's Tom Daly. What's his name? Daly um, was one of the British winner guys. And when they interviewed him, like, how does it feel to win the gold medal? He was like, we have been visualizing this all that's the biggest difference in what we've done to win this gold medal was every night visualizing winning and nothing else. The power of visualization is real. And I was watching it like, fuck yeah. When I, we were watching that and I literally turned to my fiance and I go, that's manifestation right there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I just thought that was like a really big moment, you know, and you do read in certain books or maybe articles or listen on podcasts about athletes doing that visualizing, but it's still sort of like woo woo, you know? And so for it to be talked about gold medal winner on there, I just was like, this is huge. So actually there's a little bit of some science behind why visualization works, particularly with athletics, but I think from what I know about it, and I'm not a huge, huge expert in this, but I do know a little bit, I can see how it would translate to other areas of life. So when you visualize using the Olympic example, when they're visualizing their dive and they're visualized that dive winning gold, there are nerve pathways in their brain that are the same nerve pathways that have to fire in order to do the dive that are firing. They're not physically doing it, but their ner- their nerves, their neuro- their central nervous system is still firing in the same way that it would when you win. Well, when they would do the dive, that would let them win. So their body is maybe not physically doing it, but they're still practicing it. And so they've been able to, to show that even if you're just if you're an athlete, just practicing a skill in your head, you're just picturing it, picturing yourself doing it, visualizing it, you get benefit from that visualization practice. And so I could see how that could same thing could translate. If, if you were visualizing yourself being able to eat a food without having a reaction, you're prepping your body to physically literally do that because you're starting that process without actually introducing the food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I there heard- is a little science. It's woo woo, but there's a little science. Oh, there's, if you guys haven't read Breaking the Habit by Joe Dispenza, read it. Cause he, he there's a whole, I think there's like a whole chapter on this. And he goes into the science behind it. Like that, from what I recall, this could be a little bit wrong because it was a while since I've read it, but, but there was a study that he had in there where someone, they had different groups, scientists had different groups of people, right? So one group would like lift a weight, the other group would visualize it. And the people who visualized it actually gained as much muscle-ish as the people who were actually lifting weights. Yeah. I've heard it said before that it's because your brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality, which is why when you're visualizing, even if it's technically quote unquote, not real to your brain, it's real. Mm -hmm. So isn't that insane? Like they literally gained muscle visualizing themselves, lifting a weight. They also did it with a piano exercise where they physically showed someone and someone had to practice physically like playing a piano song. Right. And then another group, um, they had three different groups for this one. I believe another group, um, was just taught it without actually practicing it, I believe. And then the third group was visualizing playing and the group who visualized played just as good, if not better than the people who were actually practicing it. And then obviously the people who just learned it, like weren't able to play the song. Um, 
So that's why the implementation of things is so important. It's not just about what you know, it's about, are you applying what you know? Are you embodying what you know? Visualizing can be a way to do it, but then also obviously going out into the real world and taking action. (laughs) Well, and it also goes to show that with the taking action, like if you're just doing stuff without the mindset and intention behind it, you're also not getting that great of an effect. Yes. You know, funny. I'm glad you just said that because um, now that we're talking about the Olympics, I was telling my family a couple of days ago, I was like, I'll bet you they practice like 80% mindset when it goes to going to the Olympics. Oh yeah. 20% just them doing the thing. They all have a sports psychologist and um, mindset coach on their team. Like they, they have to, which is why, you know, with Simone Biles leaving, It's like, I, so far I've read that she hasn't gotten any like flack for it. And I hope that Mm. that continues. Like she has online. She has now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the other athletes though, like people are rallying around her. People are totally supporting her, which I think is really cool because the other thing is too, if she doesn't have that focus and that mindset is not there, she can get physically extremely injured. You know, it's very dangerous with all the things that she's doing. And that's just another like mind body connection piece, you know, that needs to be talked about more in our society, but it is so much mindset. And I think Chelsea and I have talked a lot about, about that fact, like, yeah, you can just go do stuff. You know, if you go and I don't know if you go and seeing if we're talking about dieting and exercise kind of roughly, or, you know, that, um, like following a nutritional diet and stuff, if you're following, nutritional diet, but every time you're doing, I don't know, every time you're eating almond milk ice cream and you want to eat real ice cream and you're just like, I fucking hate the fact that I have to eat this almond milk ice cream. This does not taste as good. If you're sitting there thinking that way, you are not really getting the benefit of eating the non-dairy ice cream because of all the things that are going on within the body. And just like you guys are talking about those neuro pathways and like your brain, not knowing the difference, then your brain is looking at this ice cream, like, yeah, this sucks. This isn't good. You know, it's yeah. just, it is all so deeply connected and, uh, having done and followed the AIP protocol or the autoimmune protocol, the AIP diet for two and a half years, years ago. And now like I roughly, I know certain foods that trigger me, I guess I'm not really following like a traditional diet right now. As I mentioned, I should be gluten-free. I'm not completely right now, but, um, there's, I know that me just taking a lot of the stress off of my diet, just being like, I'm going to eat foods and just notice what works for me. What doesn't work for me. I'm not going to follow traditional diet, you know, and et cetera having that freedom and kind of taking that stress away and looking at things as more of an experiment rather than a restriction has helped so much. That's amazing. I've, Oh, I have so much to say, like so many thoughts, I guess, when it comes to, um, the whole getting on protocols or, or specific diets and things, because my experience personally with that was yes, maybe if, if you're at a place where like there's shit, like there's inflammation and you're getting reactions and stuff, it can definitely be helpful to, to take away the things that are triggering it. But what I find is a lot of the times people aren't taught then what happens after the protocol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, okay, go on all these supplements. We're going to fix your gut 
take away all these foods. And, and like, for me, when I had to take away foods, oh my God, there was entire food groups. There was so much random stuff I had to take out. Like black pepper was something for histamine. I was like, black pepper. You know, everything I love so- black pepper. <laughs> I, so what I cook with salt, like how boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, but so they take all these things away. And what I notice a lot of the times is people then aren't taught, okay, so once you do this for a month or two, what then? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people stay on it. And what happens is your body then isn't going to tolerate the foods you took out because you haven't eaten them in a long time. Mm-hmm. And this for me, this, this idea for me was huge when it came to healing because we focus a lot on, on the doing, like what are we eating? What are we, how are we exercising? What supplements are we taking? Yada, yada, yada. And a lot of people don't realize that the way that they're thinking directly creates a chemical reaction in their body. So it creates their feelings for them. And if you read the book, Breaking the Habit, he explains the actual like um, neurons and stuff that like actually what's going on. But for just a very basic description of this, your, your thoughts of energy and that's going to directly, it directly connects to your body and it, it causes hormones and stuff to be released depending on what you're thinking. Okay. So if your body isn't, it isn't, you know, I'm going to say healthy here, but, but, but if your body has symptoms or inflammation or something like that, it's direct evidence that there must be something going on in your thought process or your belief system that's causing there to be some sort of imbalance in the body energetically. Mm-hmm. Now the energy is then going to translate into how your cells function, how your systems function, all of these things. And over time, what happens is when we have, it's not even big stressful moments. So humans are designed to handle stress when it comes like, for example, if we're being chased by a tiger back in the day, we're designed to have a stress response, fight or flight to be able to run away from the tiger. And then once we run away from the tiger, we're then supposed to be able to calm down, right? Today in society, I would say 99% of people are running on low chronic stress all the time. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah, so me what too. happens is if we're chronically stressed, even if it's like low grade, right? But for example, when you get up in the morning, if you're immediately stressed about getting ready for work and then going and making breakfast and going out the door or you're stuck in traffic and you're getting really angry or you're on your phone all the time and you're constantly like looking at all these different things, you're in this low chronic stress all the time. That's the thing that actually breaks down your body over time. Your body's designed to handle moments of stress, but then it's supposed to be able to get into the relaxation mode after that. If you're not in that though, because there's, you're constantly looking at things on social media, you're constantly stressed about your workout routine, about what you're eating, about you know, performing while at work or, or hitting the next level in your business. If you're constantly stressed out about these things, it's going to cause dysfunction in the body because it's just constantly there. There's Mm -hmm. constant like dysfunction almost. Right. So, um, another recommendation, (laughs) this book, I swear, I recommend to literally everybody. And I love your book recommendations. Honest, honestly, get this book. It was one of those things for me where I was, I was actually at the library and I was just looking around and being like, okay, like, is there something I want to read next? I don't know. And it popped out of nowhere for me. Like I saw on the shelf and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I wonder what this is. And I was reading the back and I was like, oh, this sounds like something that I would really enjoy. Um, It's called Letting Go. It's by David Hawkins. 
this book is the epitome of like emotional intelligence. Okay. This is the, the pivotal moment that led to me healing my body. There's also like chapters on relationships. There's also chapters on, I think maybe money or business success or something like that. Um, but what he talks about is this internal stress being repressed or repressed emotions in the body that then cause the results that we're seeing in our life, right? Including our health. And this, this, this thing, I literally have it saved on my phone because I was like, this is so huge. So a lot of the times, especially when we're in like the coaching world or the entrepreneurial world, we're taught mindset is everything. We're taught focus on your thoughts, shift your thoughts, all these things. I was also taught this. I don't believe that mindset is everything anymore from this book and from the results that I've seen by not focusing so much on the thoughts. Okay. So what he says is for any emotion that you have that you're experiencing in your body, there could be anywhere between thousands to millions of thoughts tied to that one emotion. So you're feeling fear, fear of what's a common, what's a fear? Maybe I mean, spiders. Food, food fears, I feel like is a big one in our community. Fear of reacting to a food. Mm-hmm. And spiders. That's a good one too, Cassie. <laughs> we'll do I mean, reacting to a food and then we'll do spiders. I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> So with that feeling of fear, so let's do the potato reintroduction, for example, that I had when I was experiencing that fear, I remember my thoughts racing of, oh my gosh, what if I react? What if I have to use my EpiPen? What if I have to go to the hospital? What if I break out in rash? So there could have been thousands to millions of thoughts with that one emotion of fear. Now, what most people are taught to do is taught to go to the thoughts and shift the thoughts. I remember being taught this and I did this work for maybe the first year, year and a half of my business. And it was very stressful because then anytime a thought comes up, you think you got to shift it all the time. And if you're doing the thought work, it's like, are you going to go through millions of thoughts with that one emotion just to freaking shift it? So what he says is if you actually release the emotion, the byproduct of releasing the emotion is you release thousands to millions of thoughts that were tied with that one emotion. So instead of going to what thoughts are we having about this, go to the feeling and where it, like what I like to do, I meditate a lot now and not a lot, but like I, I, I focus on meditation more so than other forms of like journaling or like anything like that. I focus on meditation more because for me, I'm able to go into where the feelings occurring. So if, if someone has a lot of gut issues, you're probably going to notice a lot of feelings in your gut right? Um, So go to where you're feeling the emotion and just sit there with it. Don't run away from it. Don't try and get rid of it. Don't try and um, distract yourself from it. Sit there with the emotion because then you're in full acceptance of the emotion. And when you're in full acceptance of the emotion, the byproduct of the acceptance is that it's actually going to end up leaving. So what I notice a lot of times when I'm meditating and I'm doing this kind of work, even if I'm not meditating and I'm just feeling the emotions going about my day now, um, I notice that I tend to feel a release. So, so a lot of times the energy will like move up through my spine and like be released out towards my head. Or, or sometimes I just notice that I feel just like a, a sense of relief or something. And when you're releasing that, you're also releasing the associated thoughts. And so it's way more effective to do this work with the emotional management piece than the mindset piece, because you're as a byproduct of that, you're also helping your mindset, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then as you do this consistently over time with different triggers, with different foods you're reintroducing, for example, with spiders, no, I'm just kidding, with all the spiders you're seeing <laughs> in the world, um, as you do this every single time you're feeling triggered or every time an emotion comes up that doesn't serve you, the byproduct of that is, is you're going to actually be less attracted to these negative emotions. Like, experiences that that are causing this is going to happen less and less often because you're releasing it and then you've created space for the things that you want like the health the money you know the the clients or experiences that you want in your life so it it relates to really every area but what I notice is when you're noticing dysfunction in your body it's a direct correlation to the amount of negative in quotes again negative thoughts and feelings that you're hanging on to that's really interesting. Yeah. And I also think this is kind of a, a good time to segue into how your business has helped your health. Cause I know from conversations that we've had and just being able to follow your journey over the past few years, I've seen that by you doing the work for your business, by doing the same type of facing your fears, working through your emotions, working through thoughts that has helped you build a very successful coaching business it's also impacted your health in many different positive ways. And so I would love to hear your thoughts, Michelle, on how kind of those mindset, that mindset work, that emotional intelligence work went together with your health and your business. And then also how your business has just positively impacted your health, because it sounds like you're a lot less stressed than you were before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, of course we all have moments of stress, right? Like I'm not perfect, but it's just, how are we reacting to it? Um, but this is, this is a great segue because for me, I used to definitely be, when I started my coaching business, which was over two years ago now, um, I definitely used to be very focused on, okay, like serving like clients, making money, all the things. Right. And that's where a lot of people start. When I started doing this work on my health though, what I actually noticed was that the business blew up as a byproduct of me focusing on my health which doesn't really make sense, but let me explain why. Um, I don't know how familiar your audience is with things like manifestation, law of attraction, things like that. We talk about it fairly often. So they're, they've heard it at least a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the main premise of that essentially is that, you know, if you desire something, so let's say you desire a thousand dollars or something, right. Um, by you believing that you already have a thousand dollars and feeling the feelings of already having a thousand dollars, you're going to be able to attract in a thousand dollars. It may come in in different ways. It may come in through a client. It may come in through, you know, a raise or anything. It can come through anything. Um, so with manifestation, once again, we're taught a lot of the times that you're, you're thinking the mindset work is what you need to focus on to, to attract things. What I found and this was directly related to like when I was looking at how I was be able to reintroduce foods and then like expedite that process, like pretty substantially, right. Where I was just eating whatever I wanted when I wanted it. Um, I noticed that the more I released the feelings that kept me from thinking, okay, you know, I, I can have this food. The more I, I did that work, it actually is about like, it was just simple because there was no resistance to me reintroducing foods anymore because I was releasing the emotional ties to it. Right. So then it created space for me to be able to reintroduce the foods with ease because there was nothing keeping me from thinking that now what happens a lot of the times is people like with manifestation is that they're like fighting their thoughts or they're fighting their feelings being like, Oh, I can't, 
can't think this thought, this doesn't serve me to create this result, right? Or, or I can't feel this way, this isn't going to help me attract it in. And they're like in this argument all the time. And that's not help, that's not productive at all. <laughs> so if you actually just release the things that don't serve you, that are keeping you from attracting in the things that you desire, it's, you're just naturally like a, I like to say you're a match for the thing then. So when it came to business for me, when I, when I noticed, for example, if I started to feel resistance about a, a launch that I had, or if I started to feel resistance around um, money or something like that, where it's, where it, like fear started showing up, anxiety started showing up, I would just straight go to the emotions and release it, release it, release it, release it, release it. And what happened most of the time is I didn't even need to do anything besides just release the resistance. And then the things would come in. Like this happened multiple times. I was just on a trip last week. Um, and two days before the trip, I actually called in like thousands of dollars. And right before that came in, the only work that I did was resistance around money and being like, okay, I'm scared. I'm not going to make money and like feeling that out. And then it came as just like a natural byproduct of doing that. So what I found is manifestation is really freaking easy, especially if you're a business owner, it's actually really easy and a lot of us are taught all these different techniques and all these things we have to be doing all the time. And from my experience, it's literally just deciding to have something. So if you want a certain amount of clients in a program, or if you want a certain amount of money or something, decide that you have it. It's already, it's coming to you then, right? And then release the resistance around not having it. <laughs> um, and, and detaching from the outcome is a part of that too. But like that literally, so I noticed that when I did the internal work and I was releasing all these quote unquote negative feelings, results in other areas of my life just came like natural, more naturally. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not always going to be super easy and effortless. Anyone who says that is lying. There's always going to be something right. That we need to be like working through, but, but it became more and more and more effortless. And I noticed that even with my clients, when they focus on themselves, other areas of their life grow as a byproduct. And what most of us want to do, like what our brains want to do is, is focus on the results all the time. And we're actually then not focusing on ourselves. So I've had a client also, <laughs> this is a great story, actually. Um, she really, she really wanted to sign like a client, make, make a certain amount of money or whatever. And um, the, the day of, it was like the last day of the month or something. And I told her, I was like, okay, so what are all the ways that money can come to you right now? Like write them all out, right? Let's just, it doesn't just have to be in business. It can be anywhere else too. Write out all the ways that money can come to you. And then I want you to actually just focus on yourself for the day. Like you've already done the work. It's done. Focus on you. And she, um, I think she like meditated for a little bit, but then she um, went out to eat. She got her hair done. And when she was at the hairdresser, clients fade her. Like she, she literally signed a new client and the payment came in as she was sitting at the hairdresser, not focusing on the result, but focusing on her. Yeah. So, and that happened within like 24 hours of her, like of us talking about her signing another client. So it was pretty incredible. And I'm like, this, this stuff happens all the time when you release the resistance around mm -hmm. things and you actually just focus on, on you, your health, your mental state. Like when you focus on you, everything else expands. Um, I have a quick question. Yeah. So with manifestation and everything, and one of the things that 
I know that because Chelsea and I do, we, we probably should talk about it more on our podcast because Chelsea and I talk about it so much in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, what are your thoughts about how to combat when you feel like desperation about what you want or like necessity, you know, when you're like, I just need that thousand dollars. I just can't wait any longer. I need it. I, I don't know how I'm going to get by without it. How do you, um, recommend sort of like working through that? Because that I think also can be relayed money, business, job, health. When you're just like, I am desperate for change. I need to know that things are going to get better health, whatever, all the things, what, how do you help, um, with that part? Yeah. So this is, um, this is detachment. This is, mm-hmm. this is like, it's tip. I feel like it's typically like you want to detach as much as possible all the time, but it, it tends to be kind of like the last piece before something comes in. So the reason we feel attached to a certain outcome and feel like we need to have it now is when we don't think that what we already have is enough when we don't think that we are enough or we don't think that we're worthy of the thing. And so what ends up happening is we put the result on like a pedestal. So we think it's greater than us, right? And right now I'm holding like my left hand is above my right hand, like the left hand being the result, the right hand being you. So we put it on a pedestal and we're like, oh my God, I freaking need that for my life to be great or for me to feel a certain way. So when we're in this neediness that the whole like um, contradiction of manifestation is when we don't need something, it comes in. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we have then grown, we've, we've learned that our self-worth is greater than any result. So we've grown above it and then it's able to come in because we are the creators of our reality. We are the creators of our results. But when we put the results above us, then we get in this needy attachment vibe, right? So the way that you detach from needing something right now is by feeling like literally when I feel attached to results, I'll sit there, close my eyes. And I'm like, I feel attached to this thing. I feel fear that it's not going to happen. I feel anxious that I'm not going to make enough money this month, whatever the thought is, right? I sit there and instead of trying to argue with it or try and like, throw positive thoughts on top. I don't do any of that shit. I just sit there and I fully am like, I feel attached to this thing. I feel like this thing isn't coming. It's not happening. Feel out the feelings of that. And then anything else that shows up, feel out the feelings of that. And then most of the times you're then at a point of detachment. I've literally had people send me messages Hmm. five minutes after doing this work. I'm not even joking. Um, And it's, it's because then you're detached. So This is, this for me was really helpful was, was understanding that the reason I'm attached is because I'm actually scared. It's not going to happen. So most of us are focused on the thing all the time. And we're like, this has to happen, but it's just because I'm scared that it's not going to happen. So feel out the feelings of it not happening. Like I'm scared. This isn't going to happen. I'm scared. The money's not going to come in. I'm scared. um, I'm not going to get the promotion. I'm scared. Like, go to the place where you're okay with it happening or it not happening. Mm-hmm. And so most of the times we need to focus on it not happening for a little bit and being like feeling out those feelings of being like, if this didn't happen, I'm still okay. If this didn't happen, I'm still okay. How would I manage this if I didn't, if it didn't happen? Um, and the byproduct of that is you're, you're then going to eventually be totally detached. Yeah. From it. 
And then you're going to notice, actually, you're not even going to be focused on it at all. You're probably going to focus on other things in your life. And then it's going to come in. It always comes in when you're not focused on it. I swear. (laughs) That's a great answer. I really like that. That was thought provoking. And I feel like uh, Chelsea and I have a meeting later and I feel like we're going to discuss that. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Michelle, that was helpful. So many of the things that you said have been helpful. I hope people realize that it's not just about what you're doing. It's also about what you're thinking and what you are fueling yourself with through your thoughts. So if people want to connect with you more, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah. So Instagram is definitely my main spot. So at M with co one word. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. My website's on there. Everything's on there. So this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and giving some really great like little treasure nuggets for our listeners, you know, to think about and try to implement a little bit. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This was just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome talking with you guys. Hi everyone. If you haven't caught on, we really like self-care here at the real life show. We're all about taking care of yourself, taking control of your energy, taking control of your life. So that way you get to live the life of your dreams in whatever way that looks like for you. And so we wrote a book all about self-care and energy management. It's called empowered self-care and we're really, really excited about it. It's freaking awesome. It's available on Amazon now, right now. And we are thrilled, like beyond thrilled to announce that we are bestsellers. This book became a bestseller in its first week in mind body connection in multiple sclerosis and in irritable bowel syndrome. Woot woot. We're bestsellers and diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, we, we, were in, we were in lots of categories, um, maybe not number one, but we were really close to the top, which we were so excited about, which means that people were buying it, which means we take to means it's good. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. basically you want to get in on this really awesome trend of how great our book is and reading it and buying it and enjoying it and taking care of yourself. It is on sale on Kindle for $2.99, or you can get a paperback, which is gorgeous. Might we add for $13.99 on Amazon. The link is in the bio. We are so proud of it. It is beefed up. It is freaking awesome. It's got all the good shit in it. And when Cassie said link in bio, she meant link in show notes. Cause we're not on Instagram. We're on our podcast real life. Y'all <laughs> see that's <laughs> real right. people, but go check out our book. Tell us what you like about it. Or I guess what you, we don't, what you don't like, you can tell us that too, but go check it out. We love it. Take better care of yourself so that way you have all the energy to do all the things you want to do in your life. The book is called Empowered Self-Care, Take Control of Your Energy. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Wellness Hub community. These little things really do help to get our podcast out there to others. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Wellness Hub or on our website, mywellnesshub.co for all sorts of resources and to find our wellness hub community.